Welcome to No Challenges Remaining, live once again from the Australian Open. I am Ben Rothenberg here on the Friday, the second Friday night of the tournament after the second men's semifinal has just ended. So we have our two finals set for this Australian Open. We have the women's final between Sofia Kennan and Garbinia Muguruza, and our men's final between Dominic Team and Novak Djokovic. And to discuss these two finals with me, two of dear friends of the show, both repeat guests on the show, and dear friends of mine at everywhere they come together, Matt Shalope and Nick McCarville, both of whom are working here for Tennis Australia at this tournament, right? Uh, yeah, I was doing World Feed for Tennis Australia, and now I'm covering the wheelies and the juniors for the ITF. And Matt, your role here? Yeah, quickly? I'm working um, on ozopen.com as part of the writing team. Tremendous. Well, we're very happy to have you both here. Let's start with the women's final, which will be coming first as on Saturday. Should. As we must. As we must. <laughs> Not a women's final that we would have expected coming into this tournament, for sure, which is something... I feel like usually people say women's Grand Slams, but this one especially, well, okay, not more than last year's French Open, which was way, I think Barty Von Drosheva, that tournament was way more out there than this one is. <laughs> but still, this one's pretty out there. Number 14 seed Sophia Kennan playing against unseeded Garbinia Muguruza, ranked 32nd, obviously a known quantity Garbinia Muguruza, and someone who I think a lot of us were buying stock in, metaphorically, with how her offseason was looking, reuniting with with. Conchita Martinez, her coach, who everyone was kind of shipping them together for a long time to be back together. Uh, just thoughts on each of these each of these finalists. So let's start with uh, Kennan, uh, Nick. Yeah. What do you make of, of Kennan's being in this final? Which, I mean, as Americans, we can say, I was talking to somebody, I think she's probably like the sixth best known woman in American tennis right now. Well, by popularity, yeah, sixth or, or tenth or Maybe. wherever you want to put her. Definitely yeah. not in the top three. I think, but I also think when you look at her tennis form in the last year and a half, this is actually not that big of a shock. I know, yeah. It, yeah. I know it is generally a shock, but Sophia was playing standout tennis last year. We saw her beat Serena Williams at the French Open. We saw her beat Ash Barty in Toronto. Um, we saw her have a good run at the U.S. Open. Yeah. Yeah. Three titles, Shenzhen alternate. I mean, she mm-hmm. she did totally. some things. Yeah, yeah totally. And also yeah. five top ten wins as well last yeah. year. Yeah. So yeah. Lot, ticked a lot of boxes in her progression. She she loves a big stage, Sophia. Sonia. Her her nickname is Sonia. We should clarify that. It's confusing because it's just one letter <laughs> different. But yeah, I anyway. Um, the, the thing that really sticks out to me is she played on the U.S. Fed Cup team in Prague in 2018 yeah. when I was there. And she played... Two really good matches, both of which she lost. She battled, though. She battled in front of 13,000 fans at the O2, Czech fans. And that, to me, I think Kathy Rinaldi you know, chose her over Danielle Collins, who was much higher ranked at that event. Um, and I think that you know, 14, 15 months later, we're seeing her sort of come into her own. And she has been fantastic this tournament. She ended the run, obviously, of Coco Gauff. Um, and she's just been on a total mission. She ended on Jabir's run, and then, of course, ends, I hate to say this in front of Matt Chalope, but ends Ash Barty's run as well. And she, she's just play, she plays with these blinders on. That low visor is almost like a physical blinder. I've made the same comparison. Her. Yeah, it's like it's like a racehorse. Just the blinders are on. She's just focused on the task at hand. Nothing bothers her. That French Open win she had over Serena, the crowd was really kind of egging her. I mean, because they were not into her sort of very... Um, I don't know what word is presumptive, like Mark checking and Mark circling that just kind of rub the crowd the wrong way. But Kennan was not bothered at all. Muguruza, 
Matt yes. is is uh, is someone who I think that we like is she should she, be we, at this stage. Yeah, we're not Slam surprised tournament. by her ever mm. kind of doing anything. She's one of those wonderful modern women's tennis players <laughs> where they can win the tournament or lose first round to a qualifier from a country you've never heard of, and neither is surprising. And. Muguruza looked like she was going to lose first round in this tournament when she lost the first set six love to yeah, Shelby, Shelby Rogers. Rogers yeah. And she was going through illness. She pulled out of Hobart the week before with a viral illness and did not look well. She That was not a pretty match at the beginning. Somehow turned around that match to win the next two sets, six one, six love, or six love, six one. I can't remember what order. But that was that was a, a very surprising result. And then got herself into the tournament, had two days off, felt a bit better, survived Tom Lanovich in three sets at yeah. Rod Laver Arena, which was a really good second-round match. Tom Lanovich has been in Should have been form. a night match. I would say that would have been a perfect night match anyway. <laughs> but it was a great test. Yeah. And then the first time I properly watched Muguruza was when I covered her in the third round against Fidelina, and that's when she went from Muguruza to Muguruthless. And that was <laughs> – it was brilliant, it was. though. It was brilliant. She hit – I. I the 31 winners and nine unforced errors. Yeah. It was the most mm. brilliant display of tennis. And Svitolina didn't play that badly. And got she, blown out she the got court. blown off the court. Mm. And and then ever since then, Garby has not dropped a set. She's gone and beaten Kiki Burtons in the in, fourth in round. Straights. She beat Simona Halep in the semifinals. In the quarters, she beat Pavlyuchenkova. Oh, Pavlyuchenkova. Not an easy but, match with how no. well Pavlyuchenkova was mm. playing. But the reason I jump forward to Halep was because that's a third top 10 yeah. win in the in this week. Yeah. Um, and she'd only had three top 10 wins all of last year or yeah. something. Yeah. It's incredible. I mean, Muguruza, like, we, I remember talking about her when I did the most influential woman of the decade show. I had mm. my sort of blurb for her because I put her in there. It's like, Muguruza not breaking through and fulfilling her full potential, I thought was one of the big stories of the last decade because she, when she is that good, she is that good. Yes. Like, she, her upside is so big and you see her really turn it on here and her, like, intensity level mm. has been scary. I mean, like, she, she beats Halep, very hard fought, semi-final and like does not smile does not, does not crack <laughs> no. a smile just like onto the next like on a mission we're not done here yet and just i'm i'm very curious to see if she does win this tournament what her reaction will be if there is this sort of catharsis moment for her because like she's right because she's been she's been through a lot i mean in in her career ups and downs obviously people very for a long time watched the sam sumick partnership with sort of unease for a long time and now she's back with uh conchita and she seems like she's in a good place but in her press she's not saying much at all so, so we'll, I'm curious to see, yeah, what she what she does after this. Also, including just once match point lands, either way in this final, what her sort of emotional release, like you said, is. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it would be big, especially if she wins. Uh, you know, I think the Sam Simic thing we were discussing in the press room for a long time, and yeah. people out on Twitter, people knew that that wasn't a great setup for her in the latter stages of that situation. I think Garbine finally figured out for herself. I don't have intel as to how that ended, but. To, to end that and then to actually go to Conchita, who had really helped her win that Wimbledon title. Yeah. I mean, that was – she was she the was, – She was still working with Sam officially. Sure. But Conchita was there day to day, and she seemed like in such a good mood at that tournament too. Conchita was her coach yeah. at that tournament. Yeah. Sam Sam was back home. And um, no, listen, I, I don't – who knows? I also think that she probably feels like – you know that she maybe she's been burned in the past, and she became this megastar, world number one. She's uh, huge in Spain, and I think she is keeping things really close to the vest. So I don't know if we're going to see a huge release from her should she win. But her tennis has been absolutely standout, and there's no denying, like Matt saying, that she's playing much, much better, more determined tennis than she did in 2019. And it's such an attractive brand of tennis. I think I, what I'd forgotten 
watching her because she hasn't been at her peak probably since 2017. Yeah. Um, just how many weapons she has and just how much of a complete game she has. Her serve is brilliant. Yeah, the awkward player, her willingness to come to the net. And she's so successful when she gets there. She's winning something like 75 or 80% of her net points across the course of the tournament. Like, she, And she picks the right ball to come in on. She Her shot selection's excellent. She's playing with clarity. And you just see what she can do. And I, I've just thought it's been really, really kind of heartening to see her resurgence because I, I've always been a big fan of just watching her play from from a tennis fan's perspective. It's such a, a nice style, um, but it had been absent. Um, and yeah. it wasn't with the same intensity either. So it's been really, really good to see that. And now she's going for the three-quarter leg of – three-quarters of a <laughs> career slam. Oh she God. does no. If she does that, she's won grand slams on all different surfaces and she's – She's putting herself into the position to be one of the greats. No, absolutely. Hall of Fame lock if she wins uh, the match tomorrow for sure. What Last thing on this match, what do you expect from Kennan in this match? What do you think? Kennan had never made it past the fourth round of a Grand Slam before uh, this tournament here. Only to play one seed on the way to the final, which was Ash Barty, the number one seed. And I thought was so impressive in that match with her poise, with being able to sort of adjust and have good tactics to match her. I mean, her father, Alex Kennan, said... They had a plan, like he was watching Barty footage before that match and had like his clear, he's, they played Barty four times last year. And so seen a lot of her, but some, he said something clicked in terms of like game planning, which was early on. This, I think, I felt like Kennan was more ahead in that match than the score indicated. And mm-hmm. then she just kind of played the big points better in the end too. But I'm, I'm curious, with, we don't have a lot of data on Kennan. We don't know Kennan particularly well for being a top 15 American, really. Yeah, right. What do you what do you think we can expect from her, and do you think she can win this match? Well, in case you guys interviewed, or in case you missed my interview on Sports FM in Perth this morning, <laughs> <laughs> I found myself telling the Perth uh, hosts, who actually knew their tennis really well, by the way, um, that Cannon's going to win the tournament. Okay. Uh, it just kind of like came out of my mouth, and I was like, well, I guess I'm sticking with that. <laughs> um, but, I, but I say that, and I actually back that, because she... I don't think she's going to be faced. She has the blinders on. Yeah. And we got actually three touch points today. We had Alex Kennan in this room. We had Sophia. I went and kind of listened in on some of her TV interviews she did next door. And then I was in Bethany Maddox Sands Press. And they've been playing doubles together. Ben and I have been talking about that a lot. Angling for Olympics, uh, those two. For sure. Yeah. Angling for the Olympics, no doubt. Um, and all of them just have this sort of like this confidence and this knowing like they believe that she belongs here yeah and i i think if she's able to not be completely overwhelmed in those first few games get on the scoreboard don't get down four zero in 10 minutes or something like that she's got the kind of tennis i think that could really bother muguruza especially because i do think garbine is going to feel the pressure more tomorrow I just think when you look at the two of them match up, because of Kennan's fearlessness and what she's done in big matches, her and having never been at this stage before, how she's kind of performed and behaved has been brilliant. Yeah. And I think Muguruza is built for the big stage and has been to this point before. I don't think we're going to get a case of one of the players freezing up, which can happen in a Grand Slam final. I actually think the matchup will be great. I think they'll both come to play. I think they'll rise to the occasion. And I think that actually... It has the foundations for a really, really good Grand Slam final, even if it's not expected, and maybe the crowd don't know Kennan as well, yeah. um, because obviously the Australian fans were probably imagining they'd see Ash Barty in the final. Yeah. Would have loved that, but I think the I think the matchup will be fantastic. I think the intensity will be great. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I think it actually promises to be really great. 
I'm looking Come forward on. to it. Who do you think? Who do I yeah. think is going to win? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot I had to pick. Oh, look, uh, I think Muguruza will win. I pick Muguruza also. I, I think it is tough, though. I think for sure, and it's going to be a question. I, I agree with you. I'm curious what the crowd makes of this. This mm. is a relatively low profile because Muguruza, she's won two grand cents, but mm. number one. Never done well here before. Well, they don't she's have necessarily done okay have much... here before. Okay. I, look, she's actually, if we're keeping on the stats theme, she's won 23 of her 30 career matches here. Okay. She's made a quarterfinal, a few fourth rounds, but never been like semifinals, night matches really. A, a, maybe doesn't have quite as big a profile here in Melbourne as she does in Paris. My favorite stat about this women's final, which I will close on, the, whoever wins here will be the second woman to add an Australian Open title to her previous victory in Hobart. Hobart. <laughs> Hobart. Hobart is the breeding ground of champions. It, absolutely. Mm. Kim Clusters. Yeah, Kim Clusters yeah. is the other one. That's right. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, the men's final is a much more familiar matchup to tennis fans for sure. Dominic Team, number five seed here, who is still considered fresh meat on this tour, even though he's 26, an age at which, you know, John McEnroe and Bjorn Borg were has-beens. Dominic Team is still here, uh, is still seen as a new threat he's in his third grand slam final he'll play against the ultimate mr australian open of our of our generation of our sort of tennis consciousness novak djokovic seven-time champion seven and oh in finals Ooh. novak djokovic in his career here um this match what do, what do you expect from this i'll start with you matt what do you think we'll get from this match between dominic and novak who've played each other plenty and had results go both ways yeah i think um i think I was really interested to watch tonight's semi-final with Team and Zverev because I thought if Team got through, he would have a better chance against Novak than Zverev I might. I so too. Uh, I don't know why. I just think maybe it's the it's the extra power um, and maybe the extra athleticism which you need to play against Novak. Um, I think Team's uh, increased success on hard court in the last twelve months will play a big part in this. And in their most recent meeting, wasn't that at the ATP Finals? Yeah. It was that brilliant match. On, I suppose, a similarly paced court. Maybe London was a little quicker, was indoors. But that's a really recent meeting between the two on a surface that would favour Novak. Yeah. That Dominic played great tennis in that. And Dominic I, getting his hard court groove lately. Yeah, and it's been really, it's been really amazing to see. And what he did to Rafa, I think, is a like. Uh, such a confidence builder. Um, it is such a big ask to beat Rafa and Novak in the one tournament. But I just think it's felt like in the last couple of years, it's been like team's time and then he's been building and, you know, he lost to Rafa in that French Open final in straight sets. Then he won a set and then he also took Rafa to five at the US Open. He's been building and then he beats Rafa here. Like it just feels he's taking all these steps towards progression. Um, I don't know. There's just yeah. something kind of irresistible about his rise. I have pity for, for Dominic in that his three Grand Slam finals have gotten to be against Rafa in Paris <laughs> and Novak in Melbourne. That's like the hardest draws you could get. What do you, what do you think about this match? And do you think that team, you know, is there still this sort of big wall between the big three and everybody else when it comes to these these matches? Because certainly we haven't had a non, uh, we haven't had a new Grand Slam champion since 2014, Marin Cilic, U.S. Open. It's been a while. <laughs> Been a while. Hey, Marin. <laughs> um, listen, I, I like your mention of Rafa and Roland Garros because to me, the Australian Open for Djokovic is starting to feel like yeah. the French Open for Rafa. Mm. I, I know it's not, listen, I know it's not quite to that level, but 
Um, the way that Novak is able to handle people on the surface, the depth of his shots, the consistency of his ball. He's been serving consistently bigger this tournament, which I think is really huge. I was just looking at the numbers from the ATP finals in November. And Dominic, if you guys remember, he was walloping the ball, like yeah. hitting it as hard as ball he could. Ball bashing purely. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it was, but it was brilliant. And Novak actually didn't serve well in that match. Dummy broke on all four of his breakpoint chances. He had mm. four breaks in the match. So, you know, just looking at those tiny little things, because you know that Djokovic's camp will be doing all of that. I think uh, I really agree with you guys. Like, I think Dominic definitely had the better chance versus Sasha in into the final against Novak. I, I don't love the schedule here. I think it, it's quite unfair that he has yeah. 24 hours less than Nole to get ready for the final. Um, but that said, if he can come out and feel as though he's feeling the ball and not get sort of like that slow snake choke grip of Novak Djokovic, <laughs> just like he just wears you down. He doesn't do he doesn't seem to do anything spectacularly, yet it's spectacular tennis because of the way that he can put a chokehold on his opponent. And so I think team needs to be able to hit through the court. We saw some nervy tennis at the finish line against Zverev, yeah. and he just needs to feel like he has nothing to lose. Yeah, he should feel that way against Djokovic in Melbourne, you would hope for sure. And he's also been through a couple of these finals before, and it shouldn't be that different of an atmosphere for him here. I think also, the thing that I kind of thinking this, as I was watching the Zverev match today for team, Djokovic will stand closer to the baseline which will also give the team a little bit more rhythm, maybe and a little bit more openings. Because I felt like he was probably thinking with Zverev, like, I have to go for so much, hit the ball past him. Because yeah. Zverev is playing so far back and so defensively oriented. Djokovic is much more of a counterpuncher than a retriever, which I feel like Zverev, at his, you know, at his default, is kind of a retriever. And maybe that'll allow for, for team, because team has had wins against Djokovic before. Beat him at the French Open. Mm. That win, I think, will help. Uh, ending Djokovic's second bid for yeah. a Nole slam or whatever yeah. you want to mm. call it. And yeah, I, I, I think this match could be interesting. And I'm just also glad to see a new matchup in a Grand totally. Slam final. For the second time in a row, we've had Medvedev versus Nadal, which I had low hopes for that match, actually, after their Canada final. And it surprised me for the better. It was great. And it wound up being great. <laughs> and then this one, I have relatively high hopes for, and I hope that they can be met, too. I'm, I'm just glad to see some new matchups and important. Yeah. Even just tonight with Zverev and team. Mm. It was nice to see a new permutation deep in a slam. It also didn't feel random. Yeah, yeah. No, that was good. One other thing I've heard a little, I'm not sure if there's any merit to this, but a few people have compared um, Team's game to like a more modern, slightly more athletic version of Stan Wawrinka mm-hmm. with the heavy shot making, yeah. the brutal shot making, the one-handed backhand. And Wawrinka's always been an opponent at slams historically, more recently, that has troubled Novak. Yeah. But one of the few players that when he's on can hit through him. Is team this? It's not exactly the same as Wawrinka, but it's that kind of approach, as you said in in London, like that brutal ball striking and just teeing off. If he gets into a groove with that and starts landing those kinds of shots, maybe it's that kind of game style that we've seen Novak a little bit more vulnerable. Um, but you know, yeah. we don't know. I don't know. Yeah. That could that could just be another another part to the matchup. No, I, I totally agree, and I think Nicholas Massou has been huge for team. They've been together now for a year. And no one expected Dami to win his first Masters 1000 at Indian Wells. No, no, yeah. <laughs> I mean, even though that's a, that's a very slow, slow hard it's court, a slower yeah. hard court, yes. But he still beat Roger on it, saved a championship point, came through that tournament really well. And I just, I feel like, uh, you know, you point out the U.S. Open match, uh, the ATP Finals against Novak, Indian Wells. 
just feel like there's all the building blocks there for him to at least show up in the final. The blocks are absolutely there. I mean, he has paid his dues on tour level for sure. And in slams also for sure. I mean, making two Grand Slam finals already. This would not feel like Medvedev had he won the U.S. Open, let's say, would have been kind of a bolt from the blue. Mm. I mean, he mm. did win Cincinnati and had yeah. a great summer before that, but hadn't done too much building up to it. Team has a very full CV of yes. results, of, of, of reasons why he deserves to be the next first Grand Slam champion and why he deserves to maybe win several more once it starts getting uh, easier. Yeah, so I think I think two very qualified players. Obviously, one is like the GOAT of yes. this tournament, and the other one is a very worthy challenger. But what do we also think about the GOAT discussion generally if Novak wins mm-hmm. on Sunday night he goes to 17 yeah for the slam titles. count I mean that's the big one it's this is this is huge every time Novak's in a major final now uh, he closes the gap on Rafa and Roger ahead of him then if he wins and it gets to 17 the three of them are clustered within what is within Roger on three, 20, yeah, within 20, three. 20 19 17 20, it's incredible yeah. if that was to happen and um that brings a whole other narrative going forward for the rest of the year, if, if Novak was to win in Melbourne. Novak can um, tie it this year. Just calendar slam it and just tie it this year. Yeah. Golden slam. Golden <laughs> slam. You know he wants... I picked him to win in Tokyo, for sure. Okay. Because he still doesn't have an Olympic I love goals. that you're already making Tokyo picks. Well, we had, to for AT, we had to for ATP Tennis Radio. Okay. So, and also, okay. I did pick Sophia Kennan to win the women's title. Just... Throwing it gold medal out there for him. Oh, the Australian effort. Yeah. Just for when? my just two minutes ago. Okay. Oh, sure, 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 sure. I was going to say that was meant to be a joke, by the way, and both of you totally blank faced me on it. But anyway, on that note, maybe we should end this. Any other last thoughts on things that you know? We'll do a more full rap show, me and Courtney, after the tournament ends. But other one little thing you've enjoyed the second week of this tournament, maybe that. Yeah, Nick, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, I've had the great opportunity to do World Feed Commentary here, which was awesome. Uh, Good career building and air quotes that you guys can't see. Um, (laughs) But I've had a really great time covering the wheelchairs and the juniors. And, uh, you know, for us that, and I I follow with you guys in the sphere of we cover big tennis, we cover the slams, we cover the big stars, but we all get to dig into the stories now and then. And it's really been inspirational and fun to talk to the juniors and the wheelchair players and these human beings who are out there like working their asses off. Yeah. And uh, tonight, uh, a couple of the junior boys lost the doubles and one of them was sitting courtside um, sobbing because you come all the way down to Australia, put all of it in. And um, there's a young, uh, young lady who's 14 um, Victoria Jimenez from Andorra. Seva. Yeah, she's mm. the youngest player in the draw. She's the youngest Grand Slam finalist uh, since Coco Gauff won the French Open in 2018. She's from Andorra. Her dad was world number 505 in 1999. Okay. Um, and she's she's been fantastic to talk to this this week. She speaks five different languages, I think, as you have to in Andorra. Naturally, yeah. Um, so anyway, that is kind of a little cheesy spin on what I've enjoyed. In, yeah, I really love doing my Dylan Alcott story I did here last year, just diving into that world and getting, which obviously these big stories can pervade and dominate, but yeah. Good point there. Matt, for you? Uh, look, it's probably obvious from a patriotic point of view, but yeah. seeing how Ash Barty has performed this tournament has actually been really exciting for us on a number of levels. We haven't had an Australian go this deep at Melbourne Park since Leighton Hewitt made the final in 2005. I loved your stat about the quarterfinal thing. Yes. Can you tell people that stat? Yeah, so the uh, no Australian player since the tournament had moved to Melbourne Park in 1988 had made more than one singles quarterfinal. 
man or woman. So Leighton, when he went made the final, he'd never gotten past the fourth round any other year. Pat Rafter made one semi-final, never passed the fourth round any other year. Sam. Alicia Mollick, Sam made the fourth round a few times, never made quarters. Alicia made one quarter final. Uh, Nick Kyrgios made one quarter final. Casey made a bunch of fourth, fourth rounds, rounds, but yeah. never. So it was huge. So when Ash beat Petra Kvitova, no, sorry, when Ash beat Alison Risk in the fourth round, she became the first player to make two quarterfinals at Melbourne Park. That just shows what the pressure's like yes. here, clearly. But we hadn't had a female perform this well here since Wendy Turnbull in 1984, back in the tournament's Kuyong day. So Ash was breaking new ground for women at Melbourne Park, playing as the top seed with an enormous amount of pressure and expectation and visibility on her. The joke was that you couldn't walk around anywhere in Melbourne yeah. without seeing her on a billboard or it's a bus shelter or on a TV commercial. Yeah. And she performed... Really admirably, considering all of that, I thought, um, you know, she'd like to have the Sophia Kennan match again, probably. But yep. to make the semifinals with that kind of spotlight on her, I thought was great. And it gave a real local excitement to the tournament that we haven't had for a long time. And it was it was great. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Nick, for being on here. Thanks, Ben. Do a quick sign off. Thank you guys for listening to No Challenges Remaining. If you want to follow along and you're not listening, you can do so by following us on Twitter at NCR underscore tennis. Also send us an email no challenges remaining at gmail.com. We are also news for you people who maybe saw it already this evening. We have a Patreon now that we just started a couple hours ago. I think we launched it. Uh, so we have four Patreon backers already. They will get their shout outs here on the show. Lori Porter, Dermot Harkin, Jeremy Blackstock, and Kate S. Our first four Patreon backers, and we thank them very much. And please check out our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash no challenges remaining, all one word. Uh, to see our five tiers of options there, and we appreciate any support you might give us there. We'll see you guys after the Australian Open is over. G'day means goodbye. What's our song to <laughs> sign out? I don't know. What do you want? I don't know. What do Land we want? Land Down Under. Oh. That's fair. Come on, Matt. Oh, no, I don't, I don't have a... something Kylie. Oh, Kylie's good. Kylie. Um, yeah, sure. Okay, pick a Kylie song. Kylie it is. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>